This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Sales EQ, Objections and Inked, and I'm here to help you fill up your pipeline, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. In sales, familiarity is powerful because familiarity leads to liking. You see, when a prospect is familiar with you, they're much more likely to engage on prospecting calls and they feel more comfortable with you on virtual sales calls. In fact, we could say that familiarity is virtual selling lubrication because it takes the friction out of virtual communication and it makes everything easier. The lack of familiarity is also why you get so many objections. You see, when people don't know you, it's much harder for them to trust you. To build familiarity, you must make a direct investment in improving the awareness of your name, your expertise, and your reputation. Now, this is the good news. Never in human experience has it been easier for individuals to build familiarity. You just point, shoot, record, click, and post. It's all at your fingertips. You can get your name and reputation out there fast and for very little cost. Now, a powerful way to build familiarity and profitable relationships is through a podcast. So on this episode, I'm going to be spending some time with James Carberry. Now, James is the author of a brand new book called Content-Based Networking, and we're going to be talking about how to start a B2B podcast and how starting a podcast can bolster your personal brand. Right now, virtual selling is hot, smoking hot, because to remain relevant and competitive, sales professionals must learn how to engage prospects and close deals in a virtual environment. And this is exactly why you need to be reading my brand new book, Virtual Selling. In Virtual Selling, I teach you exactly how to gain a powerful competitive edge and crush your competitors by leveraging virtual selling channels. Don't wait, don't walk, don't hesitate. Go get Virtual Selling right now. It is a runaway bestseller for one simple reason. The techniques, the tactics, and skills that I teach you in Virtual Selling work. Now, here's my conversation with James Carberry on building your personal brand with a B2B podcast. Hi, I'm Jeff Blood. I'm the CEO of Sales Gravy. Welcome back to the clubhouse. I've got James Carberry with me. He is the author of the new book called Content-Based Networking, How to Instantly Connect with Anyone You Want to Know. And today we're going to be focusing on something that's really hot right now. And it seems like everybody is ramping up and spinning up a podcast. And uh, I've been podcasting since 2007. We just passed 24 million downloads of the Sales Gravy podcast. And, uh, and James is an expert in podcasting as well and in B2B growth. So if you are a marketer, a sales leader, or even an individual salesperson that in today's world of virtual selling is looking to build familiarity, to increase your presence, to build your personal brand, James is an expert on how to build a podcast and make it grow fast and, 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 and created a lead generation machine with it as well. And we're going to spend some time talking about that. James, welcome to the clubhouse. Thank you so much, Jeb. I'm really excited to be here, man. Awesome. So, so James, tell us a little bit about the book itself. So just walk us through your book, why you wrote it. And, um, and then you're the founder of a company called Sweetfish Media. So a little bit about you and your company and what you specialize in. 
Yeah. So Jeff, I, I wrote the book because uh, it was about a decade ago, maybe a little over a decade ago. I uh, There was a single relationship that transformed my entire life. And that relationship was really serendipitous. So uh, my roommate's brother-in-law won a sweepstakes through an old phone company, Altel. And we got to take a private jet to New York City and watch the Giants Cowboys in a in a suite with Jerry Jones right next to us. And we get to hang out with Barry Sanders, one of the most prolific running backs to ever play in the NFL. And this, it was this unreal experience because my roommate's brother-in-law won, uh, won this sweepstakes that I didn't even win. I just got to be a part of because I was one of the nine friends that got to tag along on the trip. And on that trip, I met a guy named Jeff Flournoy. And Jeff, turns out, is the CEO of this global logistics company. And this logistics company was hired by Altel to manage all the transportation logistics for the trip. So Jeff was with us all day. We ended up hanging out with Jeff all day. And two years later, Jeff called me. I was you know, working in an accounting firm in Oklahoma City. And he said, hey, uh, would you want to move to Orlando, Florida to run the helicopter division of my logistics business? That single relationship literally changed my entire life, Jeb. So uh, I, I moved to Orlando. I ultimately, you know, three years after starting to work for him, I started my own thing, became an entrepreneur. I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant before meeting Jeff, but seeing it modeled for me was, was hugely impactful for my life because I got to watch him build and grow his business. And then I met my wife here in Orlando. I, I don't know if I ever would have crossed paths with my wife had I not moved to Orlando. So this single relationship with Jeff changed the trajectory of my entire life. And it was completely by serendipity. And I thought, man, if, if a single relationship has that ability to, to drastically change someone's life for the better in that way, how can we reverse engineer relationships like that without having to depend on hope and serendipity. And I see it and you know, saw it in sales, you know, as we were trying to grow our business. And so really the answer is, uh, I, I think content collaboration. So I think instead of just waiting on these perfect relationships to fall into your lap, you can proactively and purposely go out and find the exact people that you want to know and ask if you can create content with them. We obviously do it with podcasting, but you can do it with a video series. You can do it with a blog series. You can do it with a series of stories on Instagram. I mean, it doesn't really matter. The content medium doesn't really matter. It's, it's this idea and concept that content collaboration can be the gateway to building a relationship with anybody that you want to know. And so that's what the book is about. I think you're actually absolutely right. I've written 13 books and along the way, especially early on, one of the ways that I created some really good relationships and actually turned some interviews into customers is that when I was doing a book, I would do some research and I would call important people up and say, could I ask you a few questions? I'm, I'm writing a book or could I use your story? And especially when I would interview CEOs and I would just spend time letting them talk to me and I would mostly just listen. Yep. And the interesting thing about human relationships is when you are collaborating with someone and you're listening to them, it makes them feel important. And when they feel important, they feel good about you. And by the way, making someone feel significant or important is the greatest gift that you can give another human being, which taps into the law of reciprocity, which causes them to want to give you something back. Now, yes. you have to approach content creation or, or you know, those type of interviews um, with sincerity and with the desire to help people, not with approaching it in a quid pro quo. I give you an interview therefore you give me something back. That's the, uh, the, the genesis of premeditated resentment. However, yes. 
if if you can approach it the right way, what happens is that, you know, like you said, two years later or a year later, someone calls you, you're on their mind, uh, they, they think about you. But more than anything, you create a friend or you create another point in, you know, in your network of someone who's had a positive relationship with you. And podcasts are a great way to do that because you can call people up and say, can I interview you on my podcast? And yep. this happens to me every single day. I was I was in a, a marketing meeting yesterday morning and we were talking about this. I could literally wake up in the morning and I can do podcasts every hour of every day because I get so many requests in for interviews. Yep. Most people aren't getting that. I mean, I've, I'm yeah. a, you know author. I've got a lot of yeah. things out there. People know me. Uh, so, but if you think about it, every time I get an offer, it, it, there's a flattery in, in there. Although I've had to hire people to vet podcasts to so that I I don't waste my time on some podcasts because I've done some podcasts with people. Uh, James, I've been, I mean, I like it's some like 22 year old in their mom's basement, mm. and I'm on the podcast, and it's the greatest thing in the world for them because they just want to meet me, and I feel so good about that. On the flip side, I'm like three people are going to see this, and one of them is going to be their mom. So. You know, but but I think that it gives it gives a ordinary person who doesn't have a big network an opportunity to interact with people and pull them in and create a positive experience for them. Yeah. And and one one thing that I see a lot of companies is that as companies get into podcasting, the mistake that I see them making is only focusing on going after influencers, honestly, I mean, a lot like yourself, Jeb, like if, if you're a sales leader, um, but say you, I, I don't know, you sell into operations or you sell into IT, uh, a lot of people default to only wanting to go after the Gary V's, the Jeb Blunts of the world. But the reality is that one, those people, just like you said, you guys are busy, you're getting requests all the time for this it would actually help their business more if they focused on the actual decision maker, the person that can, that can buy their product or service and the content would actually be more relevant to those people. So if you're interviewing an operations director or an IT director or somebody that's actually sitting in the seat of your ideal buyer and you brand your show around what life is like for that person, then the content is more relevant in the relationship you're building is actually more likely to turn into revenue for your business because you're building relationships with decision makers at your target accounts instead of trying to stroke your own ego by saying, oh, look, I interviewed Jeb Blunt or I interviewed Gary Vee or I interviewed the, you know, Tony Robbins or whatever the name is. And, and so that's honestly a, a common mistake that I see that people focus on trying to interview those kind of people. And, and here's what it is. I, I think the reason people do it, one, I think it's an ego thing, but two, I think it's because they think that, oh, this influencer is then going to share it and get a ton of exposure for my little show that doesn't, you know, like you said, that has three listeners and one of them is my mom. But the reality is you became an influencer, Jeb, because you create your own content. You've got a sweet, like six studio, like you're creating a ton of content that's your own content. And you became an influencer because you and your team got really good at distributing your content. And so to think that, oh, Jeb's going to put me on because he's going to share my show. Even if you do, you're, you're doing so many, so much other content, like that it, it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And I've had the opportunity to interview Lot, like I've got to interview Gary Vee and Simon Sinek and Noah Kagan and people with millions and millions of followers. And those were some of our least downloaded episodes of our podcast because they just don't have the time or bandwidth, nor should they 
to promote the episode that they did with me, I'm like, I'm like a nobody. And in reality, those people wouldn't have bought our podcasting service anyway. And, and so I need to go out and I need to interview VPs of marketing at B2B SaaS companies with 50 plus employees, because that's our ID, that that's our buyer persona. That's who actually buys our product or service. And, and so uh, that, that mistake is something I, I love that you shared that story because I, I see people, especially that are early in podcasting, they haven't quite, they haven't quite figured out the strategy that is going to work for their company. And uh, hopefully I just save some people some time uh, from going down a path of just chasing influencers uh, and instead really thinking about like, who is our decision maker? What are our target accounts? Let's go and get those people to be guests on our show. And to your point that you mentioned earlier, Jeb, you cannot go into it with this like quid pro quo, like I'm going to have you on my show and then just assume that you're going to do something for me afterwards. It's got to be from a, a true place of wanting to give and wanting to extract their expertise and wanting to educate the people listening to your show. And naturally, when you do that well, like you said, uh, when you do that well, the, the relationship naturally forms and business almost almost naturally happens, really. I mean, you do, if you force it, it, it doesn't work. And so I, I love that you brought that up as well. And I think that the, I'm, you know, there's so much to unpack in that, but as, as an influencer and I'm, you know, I'm not at the level of some of the people that you, that you spoke to. And I mean, in my space, I guess I am, yeah. uh, but you know, the, I think there's two things. One is the, the belief that I'm going to stop what I'm doing and share your little podcast all over my social media network when I got a million other things that are generating revenue for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly we try to put that into our social media funnel, but you're going to get a blip in time, which yeah. you know, these days on social media, you post one thing, four people saw it, even yeah. if you're, a, you know, you've got a million followers, it's just the way the algorithms yeah. work. So that's a misnomer. The other thing is, is that a lot of influencers get, are getting wise to how they're being used. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, in particular, we have, so, you know, we're, we're much more likely to look at a company, especially a B2B company that comes to us says, we want you to be on our podcast. We're starting to look at what's your distribution, how many people are listening to your podcast? What does this look like? Because what we've, we've found two, two paths there on, on these podcasts. And, and I'm just saying this because I think this is important when you're out, when you're trying to build this, because your point is right on the money. I, I couldn't give people better advice than what you've just given them in this. In fact, we could just drop the mic and get off the podcast or this podcast now, and people would win from this. But I want you to, I want you to just think about this for a second, because I'm, I'm giving you this from the point of view of an influencer. Two paths. One, it's a company who has usually a software company and they have some sort of a brand and they want to tack onto my brand so that they can they can push their brand. Mm -hmm. And that to me requires an exchange of funds. You want to use my brand, that's okay. I'll I'll drive this for you, but but you're gonna pay me for it. And I've mm -hmm. we we've moved into that direction. So one of the ways that we vet out podcasts now or you know, these requests for interviews is this this is how much it costs to have me on your podcast. Mm. And if it's and this is not an individual. If you're, you know, your person who yeah. calls me up and says, Man, I love your books. I just want you to be on my podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna hop on your podcast. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'll I'll find a way to work with you if I can, if it yeah. makes sense for us. But I'm talking about a company in particular where there's a marketing VP and a group of people around them and they're on a content marketing plan, I cost money. And mm. that's how I just I just take the wannabes out. The other group of people are the group of people who are who are using me to build content for their learning management system or for their own clients. And you realize somewhere in the middle of it, this is this really isn't a podcast. I'm I'm shooting a training video for this company for free. 
And, and so we're getting wise to being able to vet that out. And there are a number of people who are doing that as well. And, 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 there, and, and again, if there's an even trade, like if, if they have something to give me, and it doesn't always have to be money, then I'm okay with either one of those scenarios. But if it's not an even trade, if I, you know, and, and there's, and there's a, you know, there's not, there's not a win for either, or for, for at least for me in it, then I'm, I'm less likely to want to do that. And I think that the, I, I don't, I think if you, if you flip back two years ago, you wouldn't have heard me have that conversation with you, but because of the ramp up with podcasts, it's gotten that way. And let's, I want to step back real quickly and, and yeah. let's just talk about the history of podcasting for just a moment, uh, because podcasting is near and dear to my heart. I started podcasting in 2007. Uh, it was right when the iPod just first, you know, if it first come out, yeah. I remember my, my very first podcast, I went down to the guitar center. I bought a Rode microphone. This is the very first, um, this is it. The very first, po- I can't, it just, I blew the, 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 I use this so much. I mean, thousands and thousands of hours on this mic, one of the best microphones ever, but we blew this microphone out. I, I got it at guitar center. I got a um, I got a little bit of uh, podcasting software at the time. I was doing an FTP upload into my own server in order to do it, uh, you know, ma- basic editing. And I uh, I was um, I was basically podcasting under a blanket. I lived down in Southwest Florida at the time, down in Fort Myers area, you know. And I would put a blanket over two microphone stands, and I would hide under there so I could get a good sound and not you know have, have it echoey. And uh, and and that was in 2007. And then, and, and that was my love. Like, I love podcasting. I, I, I dug it. The ability to talk to people, it made it really easy. And then YouTube came along and podcasting that had been on an upward move suddenly just went down. And, and, yeah. for, and sadly, I missed that boat. I, I was so into podcasting that when YouTube came along, I was like, ah, video's hard, it's tough, it's not easy. So I kept on podcasting, which I've been doing. I'm the longest podcast that's been continual on, on iTunes for and sales forever. Yeah. And, then, and then just in the last few years, podcasting has, has it's been a renaissance. And I uh, and I'm, I'm, I want to get your take on that, just from your point of view, because I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure if you were podcasting in 2007, um, <clears throat> but not that uh, early. You know what, what, what have you seen? Because what I'm seeing now is just an absolute explosion. And now you're seeing big companies like Spotify, yeah. like investing a lot of money in in this uh, in this forum that has no barrier to entry. Yeah. It's uh, it's a really exciting time to be in this space, and uh, I we start. I think I did my first. I started my first podcast in 2013, so about five years after you started, Jeb. And and uh, the the thing that's uh, I, I think you know as you look at kind of why that happened, why you know it it started to tail off. YouTube started to rise. And then you saw this resurgence of podcasting. I think that resurgence happened, honestly, if I want to point it to a single show, it would be serial. Uh, and so you have these companies now producing these narrative kind of storytelling type podcasts that uh, are just really captivating and super interesting. Unfortunately, they're extremely hard to produce and expensive <laughs> to produce. So as companies have come in and they're, you know, because we, we're, we're producing, po- what, that's what our company does. We produce podcasts for businesses. And so we've got people all the time that are like, oh, well, we want to show like, you know, uh, this American life or, yep. you know, that, and it's like, okay, well, we're, we're not the folks to do that because that's, 
going to cost you 30 to $35,000 an episode to do it. And it's, it's not really sustainable, but I'm so grateful for those shows because I think they were the driver of why, why podcasting got on everybody's radar again, um, because of shows like Serial and, and you have production studios like Gimlet that recently got acquired, I think for over, uh, I think it was over $200 million by Spotify because that kind of content clearly a lot of people like. So I, I think that's why we saw the resurgence. Um, but where where I think there's so many opportunities for companies to come in and, and kill this, because you can get overwhelmed and you can think, oh, it's too, I'm too late to the party because there's a million podcasts. But when you start to think, one, how many of those podcasts are active like your podcast, Jeb? Not, not very many of them. Not, not very many podcasts of those million are putting out content on a, on a regular basis like we think brands should do. They're not serving a very specific audience. A lot of those shows are, you know, because the barrier of entry is so low, a lot of those million shows are, you know, the guy in his basement that's got three listeners, mom being one of them that you mentioned earlier. And so when you start to think about like, okay, how many podcasts are there serving the audience that I want to serve, the number gets way smaller. And so I just see a lot of people getting talked out of entering this medium because they see a big, they're, oh, there's already a million podcasts. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be swimming in a sea of competitors. And I'm like, ah, that's, that's just not the case. Uh, there's, there's very, there's probably very few, if any people serving your ideal audience on the platform. And the reality is there's over 30 million YouTube channels. There's a ubiquitous number of blogs and nobody's stopping doing those things. So I, I think podcasting is going to be one of those channels that every company has to have in the next five years. Um, you might as well start now and start capitalizing on search. One of the things I like about your show, Jeb, is you've got your keyword sales in the name of the show. And that's something I see a lot of companies missing. Um, if it, we, the reason our show B2B growth has grown the audience that it has, and it, that we, we're, we're about to hit 4 million downloads this month. So we haven't even touched your number of downloads. But the reason that we've been able to grow the audience we have is because we ranked for the term B2B and the term B2B marketing in, uh, in Apple Podcasts, in, in the search algorithm for those podcast platforms. And I see a lot of companies that want to get cute and fancy with the naming of the show. And what they do is they cripple their ability to rank for a certain keyword. And I would not be shocked at all if a big part of your podcast growth has been people searching sales inside of Apple Podcasts seeing your show, you've obviously got a lot of ratings and reviews. You've been doing this since 2007. So starting now, you're going to look back five years from now and go, man, I'm so glad we started our podcast and named it correctly back then, because now all of our competitors really do have a podcast and we're the one that stands out. Yeah. And so I, let's, a couple of things there, you know, first of all, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, um, Gilnet Media, and which was essentially a NPR sort of made that yeah. genre, and then they they you know they founded Gimlet Media on that genre. Yeah. And I remember listening to the startup podcast, which was the very beginning of Gimlet yeah. Media, which was one of the most fascinating podcasts I've ever listened to. And it's very rare that I'll just I'll I'll stick with a podcast for episode after episode after episode, yeah. you know, breathlessly waiting for the next one. But because I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur, that was yeah. very fat. It was fascinating to me. 
Yeah. But, you know, I realized in the middle of that, because I was thinking, man, if I could make sales podcasts like that, I'll go out to San Francisco, I'll talk to people, put this together. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I would need an army of people, which is what they had to have, and a lot yeah. of money in order to pull that off. Because you're talking about not just, like, not just like the production parts that part of it, but you got a really, really smart, creative people that yeah. get it at a level that other people don't. So that's yep. important. So I think you have to, you know, you got to think about what you're able to accomplish and able to do. Yep. I, I also think that, you know, you're right about, and we're going to talk about some other mistakes that companies make, but the, but getting in like the, the, the like the, what they say, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. Yep. The next best time is today. Yep. So if you don't begin, you have, you're not going to have an audience at all. Now, yep. But there's there's a bigger thing. This I've got over a million people on my list. So I send out emails every almost every day. But I have emails that go out. So I'm I I have a machine that creates you know that 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 brings people into my list. Not not you know some of them are leads, but a lot of them are just people who want to get the newsletter, want to get more content. So I'm able to move episodes. If I have a good episode, I just put one up. It'll go out on Thursday. And I can just push out to my list and go, hey, I just had this episode out. A certain number of those people are going to come in. What's, what, what is interesting, if you start thinking about how podcasts work, is that more people will click on an article than they will on a podcast because in a lot of cases they're on their phone, they can't listen. Yep. We're experimenting now with when we send people to a blog and we have a blog about something, embedding a podcast episode, just the rather than the subscribers. I and mean, we're just getting yeah. the, the MP3 because I really don't care how many subscribers I have. I yeah. care how many people listen to the yeah. podcast. Right. So I'm looking I'm looking for ears yeah. and attention uh, and we're embedding it in because we have we have people coming through an article. If they spend more time listening to a podcast, that means that they're on page longer. And this is for the marketers out there. If they're on, yeah. on page longer. That's going to impact the the. The, the page rank of that particular page because the the Google algorithm sees people on it longer and so they're spending more time and if they spend more time it's likely they're not going to bounce they're, they're more likely if they spend a couple of minutes from a probability standpoint to go to the next article versus bounce because they've already made an investment in that website and since they're there this is you know the sunk cost fallacy in action right since I've already put this much time in might as well look at some more content so a podcast can help your overall marketing process but you're exactly right you got to start and the thing about audience is is I, I think you have to let go of that anxiety I mean mm. from a, if you if you start putting a you, you know you start a YouTube channel right now you're not going to get a ton of subscribers off the bat if you started a YouTube channel in 2006, you'd have a million followers just because that's how the algorithms work. I was explaining to my son, I have 118,000 followers on Twitter, which is a lot for someone in my space. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm a very tight sales niche. And I was telling my son, so the only reason I have that many people is because I was on Twitter on day one. So it was a lot easier for me to get people to follow me then than if you put up a Twitter account now. But if you sustain great content over time and you market to your own audience, which should be part of an entire marketing machine, what's going to happen is you'll find people who are loyal to you. I yep. think more than anything, we have to understand that attention is currency. So there's so much out there that the attention span is moving very quickly. So what you have to do as a marketer is not only put out good content, but you have to actually market your podcast so that you get loyal listeners and you don't need that many. What you need are people who are listening to your podcast, who are active in your content and who want to get to know you and your brand better. Like they want to have a relationship with your brand. Those people are the strong ones and those are the people that you want. But that, that means that you actually have to create content. 
I'm just curious, one of the things you talked about was keywords. What are some of the other mistakes that companies, especially companies, B2B companies, and let's just take B2B salespeople too, because there are a lot of yeah. salespeople that are realizing that a podcast can be part of my personal brand. Yeah. What are some of the mis other mistakes that people are making with podcasts right now? So I'll, I'll, I think one mistake is that they're not repurposing their content on LinkedIn. Specific, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can repurpose your content on LinkedIn, if, especially if you're doing video like what we're doing right now. So micro videos on LinkedIn do well, uh, turning episodes into LinkedIn slide decks, what LinkedIn calls documents. Uh, we've seen some really good results uh, there. Uh, I, had, I had a slide deck, I think a couple of weeks ago that got over 30,000 views organically on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is super hot right now. The, the, the way the algorithm is working, I, I know you've, you've figured this out as well, Jeb, that for whatever reason, I don't know how much longer it's going to be, but uh, LinkedIn organic is acting like Facebook organic did like 10 years ago. It is. And so if you're not capitalizing on that and using, uh, using your podcast as a pillar piece of content that you can bust up into multiple pieces of content, whether it be video, slide decks, text only posts, um, whatever you do, don't just put a link to your podcast in the update itself. LinkedIn doesn't want to drive people off of their platform. So if you're going to post a link to your show, make sure you're putting it in the comments of the post on LinkedIn as opposed to in the post itself. It's a small nuance, but it literally, you'll see 10 to 20x more reach on a post if you just put that link inside the comments. Um, so that's one thing is not repurposing your content on LinkedIn. And I don't know if this is necessarily, a, I, I don't know if I would go as far to say that this is a, a mistake as much as I would say it's a missed opportunity to not have multiple hosts of your show. This is something that we've experimented with in the last probably year and a half, two years. We've got, we've now got 19 different series within B2B growth and we're capitalizing on different influencers in different spaces by having them do a series of B2B growth. And so when they do that, you're, they're an ongoing host. So they're much more likely to share the content with their, uh, with their following. And it, it allows you to put out more content without all of the content being on your shoulder. So, um, so by doing that, having people outside your company and people internally co-hosting your podcast, you're building more relationships because that's more relationships of, with guests that are being on your show because you've now got multiple hosts, but you're also grooming in other internal people and empowering and, and letting them know like, Hey, we, we want you to focus on your personal brand. We want to give you a platform to work on your personal brand. I think, I honestly think in the sales world, Jeb, that, that team, companies should be starting podcasts and letting multiple people from their sales team co-host that show to build relationships with decision makers with their target accounts, to get them more comfortable public speaking, um, to give them content so that they can repurpose on LinkedIn. Uh, I think it would be a really ninja move for organizations to start doing more of that. Um, and so I, that those, those would be the two that I would say repurposing on LinkedIn and having not having multiple hosts of your show so that you can create more content. So on the multiple hosts, we're, you know, the tells great podcast since 2007 is really the only host has ever been me. Yep. And uh, my son just started working for the company. So I, we were having this conversation yesterday and like, we can, we can get more podcasts up, have more, um, you know, more people on if you start picking up some episodes and this is yeah. good for you because it'll teach you how to do this. 
So you, you know, all it is is, you know, it's me I'm sitting in from, and I agree with you. I think that I think having multiple hosts, but the key thing is having them do multiple podcasts so people get to know them and they hear their voices. So I think that's, I think that's smart. And it's a, it's a strategy that we haven't actualized yet, but we're starting to think that way. And part of that's just the growth trajectory that we're on. We're just, even in the middle of, you know, the, the economic mess that we've been in recently, we've just been setting record after record after record. So we're, you know, we're thinking, okay, we've got to get the marketing organization ahead of the growth. So we don't, you know, we don't outgrow what we, what we can do. LinkedIn's an interesting animal because I just published a book called virtual selling and I'm, you know, we're doing a lot of work and we, I just wrote, uh, personally wrote a a pretty massive uh, social selling sales training for uh, a big telecom company in the U.S. that I can't name because of confidentiality, yeah. but um, but it's a it was a big deal, and so we spent a lot of time diving into some things that are happening on LinkedIn. And you're exactly right about the links, although we still post things with links in them. Uh, they're you know they don't want to send people off the platform. I'm finding that long form text posts with nothing else in it. Yes is like explode like if i just i write three paragraphs and write nothing else it explodes and linkedin's a little bit baffling because i can't understand why they de-emphasized articles and then they're emphasizing that for a while videos are really hot but one of the things that's worked really well for us with with podcasts in particular around distribution is creating podcast videos and we create them for instagram we create them for youtube we create them for facebook youtube in particular has been powerful for us because People are now going to our podcast channel on YouTube. We don't get the subscribers from that that we get like on Spotify or what have you, uh, but they're listening to them there, even though they're just a video and there's an action in the video that my producer puts together. And then on IGTV, on Instagram, we're finding that to be pretty powerful as well. Um, so I think those two things are, are fantastic. I love the repurposing. I sent my, I've got two young marketers who are you know in their early 20s who are starting to get their brains wrapped around what to do. But I did a podcast with Vanilla Soft, and they, uh, Daryl Prell, who is their VP of marketing over there, who yeah. is a brilliant marketer, uh, they, they've, they've now, I think, posted four different articles from that particular podcast. Yeah. The last one was just brilliant. Like they, they, it was all the same content, but they had rewrapped it, renamed it, retagged it. You know, and it, this is all an SEO play. I, mean, I know what they're doing, but it was good, and the writing was good, and they were just taking transcript out of the podcast. And then rewriting it and then take, taking clips and dropping them into the article. Mm-hmm. That takes work. Like we're not, this is not easy stuff to do. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a marketing team that's probably going to double in size in the next wow. year. That's payroll. That's expense. This is this. I mean, we love to talk about this stuff, but this stuff takes work. I know yeah. that, you know, you can, that some of that stuff can be outsourced, um, you know, to your company as well, where you can have people who can do that for you. Uh, but and that would be a smart thing to do because it is the, the repurposing. I hadn't thought about the slide share thing and the document yeah. thing. That's a very interesting thing to do. But that goes back to you know it's take work. the transcript, repurpose the transcript, create more content from it. Yeah. And I think that's what smart marketers do. Uh, one one last thing before we, we leave the subject is Twitter. So we've been running. Um, just I'm just been posting links on Twitter. I I almost left Twitter uh, it, about. I'd say over the last 24 months, last year, I bet I didn't, I just didn't even spend any time there. I mean, I would post stuff here and there, mostly automated posts. I was so sick of it. It was just like, I couldn't, there was no engagement. Nobody was seeing anything. And then suddenly I don't know what's changed, 
but we're getting more click-throughs from Twitter back to our website than any other social channel. Wow. And we spend way more time on LinkedIn and way more time on Instagram and way more time on Facebook and way more time on YouTube than anywhere else. And suddenly, I, we were just going through the numbers last Thursday. It's exploded. Like people, wow. people are coming in and they're hitting a thing. They're coming to our website. So I don't know what's changed there, but if you're listening to this podcast, it might be something that you might want to try out. And then, you know, like if you can break your podcast into one minute videos, it's a really good thing to post up on a Twitter account so people can watch it and you can follow that up with another tweet that has a link back to your podcast yep. so that people can can listen to it. Um, yep. So I, I, the, the multiple host thing, I think, is is just brilliant. And, and just speaking to sales leaders and marketers, if you have people on your sales team, especially good salespeople who are doing a great job and you can bring them in, it's like giving them a, a reward. You're taking those senior level salespeople and you're giving them an opportunity to build their personal brand with your accounts. They can interview some of their customers, what have you. They're locking in those relationships when they do that, which is really important. But you're also elevating their skills because it does take an you know effort to learn how to be a good host and learn how to ask good questions and learn how to shut up and let people talk. Although I'm not letting you talk right now. Um, so you know, it's, it's I think it's a really really good things uh, to to do. So yeah. so let's let's uh, two two additional questions. So one, let's start off when you're starting a, a B2B podcast. Um, what like how what should be your goal? How should you set your objectives? And and how do you like build a even a business or a marketing plan around a podcast strategy? Yeah. So the the first question, I think a lot of people are trying to measure the success of their podcast by downloads. And I just I think that's a I think that's a faulty metric to build it around. It's gonna take you a while to to get to the point where downloads are are impressive. But the thing that I think where I think the short term value is in a podcast is how many of your guests have now turned into opportunities for your sales team. And so if you're doing a year, you know, a, a weekly podcast and you look out over the year and you say, okay, of the 52 guests that we've had on the show, have we, ha, are, are we in a, uh, in a, you know, are we in an opportunity with one of those decision makers that we featured as a guest? Now, again, that comes down to, uh, you branding your show correctly so that those decision makers even want to be a guest on your show. I see a lot of companies, they want to brand their show around their own expertise as opposed to branding it around their buyer persona. Um, so for us, for B2B growth, we could have named our show the Sweetfish Media Show or the, uh, or the B2B Podcasting Show, but instead we named it B2B Growth because we know B2B marketers are going to want to listen to it. So branding your show around your ideal buyer and then going asking those buyers to be a guest on your show is the strategy that we advocate for there. And, and then that way you can have that measuring stick be the number of guests that you're actually in an active deal cycle with. So that's from a measurement standpoint, I think that's a much smarter way to do it, uh, especially when you're just getting started. Uh, over time, you can look at downloads, but I don't think you do that early on. The, the second way that you can measure it is the reach that the content gets whenever you repurpose that content on LinkedIn. Uh, and so I, you know, there's, 
we found that a lot of our podcast content just does it, it does extremely well on LinkedIn. And so I, I won't bullet or I won't uh, rant on that point anymore because we've already talked about it quite a bit. Um, and then in terms of building a marketing engine around the podcast, something recently that we've started doing, we've rolled out what we call our evangelist program. And so we've taken five people within our business, our creative director, our COO, our director of audience growth, our director of partnerships and myself. And we've said, okay, how, how are we going to get all five of these people really active on, on specifically on LinkedIn? And how can we fuel content for them? So instead of a company, I, I see a lot of companies that just give their people permission to post on social. We've gone one level beyond that. And we're saying, we're not just giving you permission, we're actually giving you time in your week and we're pairing you with creative resources on our team. So we've got a social media manager that instead of focusing on the brand of Sweetfish Media, she's now focused on the brands of these five personal brands of people on our yes. team. And she's taking pillar content from our podcast, from our internal podcast, from our sale, honestly, from Logan's sales calls, from internal team calls. She's pulling content from all of these different, what we call pillar content channels, with that you know we're fully remote team so every meeting that we do is a virtual meeting we're taking little snips and pieces from these meetings and then we're fueling content for each of these five personal brands we've now got one guy on our team that's posting two to three times a day is getting massive reach on the platform we just closed a deal with a new customer last week they posted on linkedin about you know they were you know the post said something like let me reverse engineer a buying decision for you uh we you know i just got to a new company we were looking for a podcast provider the the incumbent provider versus you know this other company that i interact with all the time on linkedin their ceos posting all the time you know i'm i'm in a group with two you know with multiple people uh, from their team constantly engaging with their stuff it's like it wasn't even it wasn't even a contest of course i'm going to go with the company that i you know already know like and trust which was was us there's a huge testament for us to have been doing this program for i think 2 months and to already see a result like that where it is actually impacting our bottom line and impacting our revenue by the activity that we're putting out on LinkedIn, engaging with other people's content, putting content up ourselves. And so I think activating personal brands within your team and using your podcast as the kind of as the the gasoline, so to speak, in the the content in that engine, um, it would be a really, really smart strategy. You're starting to see more and more companies do this. Companies like Clary, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Clary in the sales space, but um, but they've got multiple people, Kyle Coleman, Nick Bennett. Um, you see Gong doing it with uh, Sarah Brazier and uh, Chris Orlov, Devin Reed. You see Outreach doing it. Um, you're seeing a lot of these tech companies start to make this move. And uh, I think we're still in the early days, but I think there's a lot of opportunities for companies to not just say, hey, you have permission to post, but we're actually giving you resources so that you can focus on your personal brand. And, uh, and we know that in doing that, it's going to ultimately bring way more attention to, to the company. Yeah, I think you're, I, I'm, I just almost want to, I wish I could reach to the screen and give you a big hug. <laughs> So because I think you're I think you're right. Again, you know, go back to uh you know this concept of you know of of how are you expanding and building a relationship with your audience. That's one of the ways. I mean, you're not just taking nameless faces, faceless employees. You're you're bringing people in and saying I want to I want to build something for you. I think really important is the pairing a resource with the human being. 
Yeah. This, this is not easy. This is expensive. One of the things we've done at Sales Gravy, for example, is, and this costs a lot of money. You can imagine, I put a camera crew on an airplane, then I fly them someplace, and then I have them spend a couple of days on site while one of my trainers is delivering training. And then we get, we bring it back and we cut it up into five minutes or two minutes yep. of video. You know, in some cases I try to take 10 or 15 videos. I've sent people to China, I've sent them to Hong Kong, I've sent them to India, we've been to Nepal. Yep. I mean, you know, that costs a lot of money to do that. But yep. the whole idea is that we're starting to sculpt what these personal brands look like. And yep. for a for a marketer, that's that's very risky. Like I put a lot of effort in this and then that personal brand leaves my organization organization to go someplace else. So there's a little bit of this that you have to just run on faith. Yeah. Uh, the good news is that all the content stays with you. So yeah. that's, that's, you know, you, you still get that piece. Yep. But I also think it's the thing is, is that what, and this is what I've, what I've experienced going down this road. It's very, very difficult for us to get our horses to drink water. Hmm. So we, we struggle with this. Like this is, if I have one major complaint, I love my team. I love my people. One major complaint with my team is that I, is, as I, I mean, literally I, I, I put people on airplane and brought them to Atlanta and put them in a room and spent a day having a conversation about exactly what you and I just talked about. We have paired resources. We've done this and it is just so hard to get busy people to mm. see what you see. Like I, you know, you, you understand this. I'm not even sure I get it at your level, but this idea of layering content, repurposing content, um, you know, just working at it. So we end up doing yeah. a lot of automated posts for people yeah. versus getting them to really think about what they're, what they're doing. Even yeah. a little thing like, you know, for example, let's say you, you post micro content with your podcast. If you can get the people in your organization to post, and let me, let me use this word, right. A thoughtful comment on the, yes. on the, on the content, the algorithm in LinkedIn will explode the content. Yeah. But they have to post something that's that's awesome. good so that yeah. other people will do that. It's you know, it's a and I know that all the marketers listen to me, you're all going, <laughs> they're just doing this right now because they're like, you know, and, so, and by the way, this is one of the reasons why, you know, the number one role that hires my company is a CMO. I mean, I'm a sales company, but they hire us to come in because they're producing all these leads yeah. and they're like, they're sick and tired of all their MQL sitting around, not getting anything, you know, yeah. and, the, and the CEO's holding them accountable for the conversion funnel. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, I think that's powerful. And I think that the, one of the goals, you're talking about goals with a B2B podcast. One of our goals recently has shifted to uh, direct web search. So mm -hmm. what we're looking at is how are, are we getting our, the word out so that people hear our brand enough? So like Sweetfish Media, I'll say that yeah. again so people can hear you, right? <laughs> so, you know, so if you, so the, the people, they hear Sweetfish Media, they, they go in and they just type in sweetfishmedia.com or they type in salesgravy.com because it turns out that at the very top of the, the algorithm that drives your, your, you know, your place in search is direct web you know, contact. So people just type in salesgravy.com. Google sees that as an indicator that your brand rocks. Mm. So, so if you start thinking about that, if I've got a group of people and I'm touching a group of people, they hear my, the name of my company on a podcast, there's no link there. They have to actually go and yeah. type it in. Yep. That makes a big difference in, That's in your search results. It's, and it's yep. number one. I, I, I just, we just, um, SEM rushed it. Yeah. I did a study on this and I, you know, I went through the whole thing and I kept coming back and I was like, gosh, that is pure branding. Like all that is, yep. is pure branding. We're, we're all focused on what people link to rather yes. than are we compelling enough so that people want to learn more yes. so they come back to the brand. 
which also means that you can't you know, like your 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 B two B podcast can't be a, you know a sixty minute commercial for your company yeah, either. Exactly, so that's right. got to be interesting. So what you, are your best? To, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say something to your your frustration jab with figuring out like how do you get your people to tap into the knowledge and wisdom that they have because you're exactly right. If they're not posting something thoughtful it's just not going to resonate. And so we've actually recently developed this process. We call it POV discovery. POV stands for point of view. And the reason, Jed, that you're a thought leader is because you have very distinct and differentiated points of view. Now, you're unique from a lot of thought leaders in that you've written a ton of books. And so you get to articulate and distill your points of view throughout a book. And then you can repurpose what you've you know, the, the, those points of view in your social content and articles you write and all that stuff. Well, not everybody from your team, maybe you do this. I, I want to eventually do this where the, our evangelists on our team have their own books. That's a way, that's a ways down the road. But, uh, the, the, the thing that we've started doing though, is running them through this POV discovery process, mm -hmm. asking them questions like this saying for, for our COO, who's been in business for, you know, he's, 59 years old, been in business for 30 years, 40 years, and uh, he's got tons of wisdom. So I'll ask him something like that. I'll, I'll say, Bill, what is, uh, what's a commonly held belief as it relates to leadership that you just passionately disagree with? And by asking a question like that, I'm, I'm, I'm putting him in a position not to say something that everybody else is saying, but instead to say something that's unique and different based on what his experience is. Or I'll say something like, Bill, as it relates to operations, what's something that operations professionals should start doing right now that they are not doing currently? And, and so you're, you're putting your people in a position to come up with distinct points of view that are different and, and helpful because they're from their, their own experience, they can speak to them from a place of passion because you're not, you know, if, if we hear one, especially I use this example all the time. I know you've heard it a million times, Jeb. If we hear that sales and marketing needs to be aligned one more time, I might just throw my head through a wall. I mean, that's, that's duh. Like of, of, we hear that every single podcast we listen to. Now, if you're going to tell me that sales and marketing actually don't need to be aligned, that's a point of view I want to hear about. Like, I want to hear you unpack why sales and marketing shouldn't be aligned. Right. Um, and, and so I, I think reframing how we think about like extracting content from our people and it's on us as the leaders of these organizations to figure out like, how can we do that? We've started to do it through POV discovery and it's, and we're actually going to start using this for our podcast guests as well. So doing a short, you know, 15 minute pre-interview with a guest right before we come, we, we bring them onto the show, running them through, you know, three or four questions that get them sharing a distinct point of view, then saying, okay, that point of view, man, we haven't heard that on the show yet. Uh, let's, let's dive into the interview and let's build some questions around that distinct point of view. And the content is just so much fre more fresh and it, it makes people keep wanting to come back for more because oh man, the guests on this show aren't just regurgitating the same seven things over and over and over again that everybody else is saying, but it works the same way with personal brands within your team. And so now we've got these multiple people on our team that are sharing unique and distinct points of view. 
as well as content from our pillar content, right? They're sharing episodes from B2B growth and that stuff. But the, we found that the stuff that, they, that comes from their heart, that's like stuff that they're passionate about themselves performs so much better. And I think that's what you were alluding to before when you talked about like the more thoughtful the content can be, the more it's going to resonate. Um, and, and so uh, we, we strike a 50-50 balance. We say 50% of your content is going to come from Sweetfish uh, pillar channels. So B2B growth, sales calls, stuff like that. Um, and then the other 50% of the content that's coming, that those are your, those are your POVs. Like we've, we've asked you these questions. We figured out how to turn it into a bunch of different content. That's the content you're going to be posting. And that mix we found to, to work really well. It's, you know, I will first of all, my, my point of view on sales and marketing is they should be each other's throat all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> and I, and I, I'm, but seriously, I, I, there's not a natural tension there. Because I, I think always think this whole alignment thing is we want to have kumbaya. Yes. Well, you know, I don't want kumbaya. I want my marketing managers to be pissed off at the sales team because they're not getting on leads fast enough. And I want the salespeople to piss, be pissed off at the marketers because not producing enough leads. And I want to be in the middle, you know, handling the, uh, the go-between. So yes. uh, that's why you're a thought leader. You have, you have unique points of view. So, uh, I, I, you know, everything that you said is fantastic. If we just dial this in, what you're looking for is authenticity because authenticity yeah. matters. And, you know, James, it's interesting. You, you are a uniquely authentic human being. I do a ton of, of, of these interviews because people come to us and we pick and yeah. choose. I, I, I probably take one out of 20 of the people who come to us and do interviews. And even, even those, I would say that in, in none of my previous podcast uh, guests don't get mad at me for shooting the messenger. <laughs> But, but most of those, it's what I get is they have talking points that are in their head. And even yeah. if I ask them a question that has nothing to do with their talking point, which I'm, I'm apt to do on a podcast, yeah. I kind of just go over here. Yeah. Uh, they'll come back to the talking point that's in their head. And I just find those podcasts to be uniquely boring. And, yeah. and you are, I mean, you are an authentic human being and it's clear that you know your stuff because you're able to, to, to go in different places. And I, I, I hope you're listening to this podcast and not just the words that we're using in the interview and the content itself, but just listen to the way that James manages the interview and layers back in information. So as you're going through the interview as a guest, as I'm interviewing you, you're bringing back things that you talked about earlier and you're putting them back in the conversation. Mm. To me, I find that incredibly refreshing. And when I'm listening to a podcast, I was like listening to a Michael Hyatt on the way in on another podcast, and I, I listen to him do the same type of layer. Mm -hmm. one, one of the things that it does for your brand is it, it reminds people of what they already heard, which makes them feel good. That's why we listen to songs over and over again. But it also allows you to start connecting the dots between all the disparate points that people are dealing with. And what you and I are talking about is an, an, an infinitely complex subject. It hurts my brain thinking about it. I mean, right now I'm, I'm so fired up. I want to go find my marketing team. I'm like, <laughs> I want you to listen to this right now. I mean, I'm just literally, I'm going to, usually it takes me about a month to put one of these things up. This thing's going up tomorrow and they're all going to listen to it because it's so good. Like the content is so good. So, uh, so let's, let's, let's shift into, okay, I'm, I'm a marketer or I'm a sales professional or I'm a small business person and I want to start a podcast. <clears throat> you don't want to do it like this. I went to Qatar Center, bought this, got a blanket. They were moving blankets, put them over some, um, and it was in Florida's hot, right? So I'm cranking the AC up, and uh, and and I and I moved from this to uh, I took a closet and I went down to Walmart and I got egg crate things you know you used to put on your bed and I stapled them to the wall and I could only do podcasts in between my neighbor's air conditioning coming on and off because it was on an outside wall, <laughs> uh, and then I you know then and I did a whole audio book between two mattresses and. Uh, <laughs> 
And then I built a, uh, I built a studio in another closet and then I built an outbuilding outside, except for it was near a railroad track. So I'd be in the middle of a podcast in the road and be like, hold a second, we gotta, we gotta wait for this. So now I'm in, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in, a, and I moved up, moved up, moved up, but yes. I'm in a million dollar studio. We spent a million dollars building this place and wow. there's no noise getting in because I've, you know, my walls are that thick and they're double walls and everything in here costs yes. a fortune. So, uh, so if you want to start a podcast, two things, okay, technology. So just the equipment, which is what a lot of people have anxiety over. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then what do you need to do from technology software, and then, you know, getting your podcast started and marketed just some, I, I know that that's probably you just probably spent eight hours walking me through that, but just some, <laughs> you know, some some basic tips for folks. Yeah, on, honestly, Jeb, I'm not a, I'm not a huge like, tech tech head like we've got folks on our team that uh, that that are big into that um we've got an article on our site it's uh sweetfishmedia.com slash podcasting for business um and it's just dashes between podcasting for and business uh that's got a list of the equipment that you need and all of that stuff i use an atr audio technica atr 2100 for my mic um, and then, uh, you know, a, a little mic stand, but honestly, I mean, I, I think I did the first seven or 800 episodes of B2B growth from a, a little blue mic that was a USB direct into my computer. And so I think the biggest, my biggest encouragement would be, don't think you need to get fancy my, and, and secondly, it would be get really strategic with who do I want, uh, who do I actually want to build relationships with? through this show. And if we can, if I can change people's mindset around podcasts from thinking that it's this channel to build massive audience to it's a channel to build individual relationships with people that can actually buy your product or service, especially if you're a B2B company and you're selling $25,000, $50,000 products and services, one relationship can, I mean, you can, you can drive revenue from your, from your podcast with, with, the relationships that you build with a handful of guests and it doesn't it doesn't take a lot to uh to see roi if you get that piece right so but but so many people go into it thinking i gotta get jeb Blunt, i gotta get gary v i gotta get trish bertuzzi i gotta get john barrows i gotta get all these influencers on my show and the reality is if you actually went and got decision makers at your target accounts so go and buddy up with marketing or 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 punch them in the face whatever whatever advice you want to take and say hey what target accounts are we trying to get into i'm going to go ask decision makers at those target accounts to be a guest on on this show and the reason they're going to say yes is because the show is actually about them it highlights their expertise the example that i share all the time jeb is if a web designer who I think web design, I think every web designer should have a podcast because it makes biz dev so easy. But if they make the podcast about web design and then they ask me, their ideal client, to be a guest on that show, I'm going to say no because I don't know anything about web design. But if instead they make it about the entrepreneurial journey and they come and say, James, I want to, I'd love to have you on my show. I, I really admire what you've done with Sweetfish and B2B growth and would love to have you share your story on, on our show. Well, I'd be flattered. I'm I'm super honored to be a guest on your show because I I know a thing or two about the entrepreneurial journey. I don't know two turds about web design. And so so many people though they want to make their show about their expertise and unless you have a massive audience, it's really tough to make that work. Uh, so instead, make it about your buyer. You have to get clear on who that is, make the show a brand the show around them, name the show around them. 
and, and then go and get those people as guests, nurture relationships with those people. You can do things like bring them back on for a second collaboration. So we'll bring people onto the show and then we'll reach back out a couple months later, bring them back onto the show. I put them into a little app called Fabrique. It's F-A-B-R-I-Q. And you can go in and load individual names into this app and it will remind you like, hey, I want to stay connected with this person every two months. And the little app pops up and it says, hey, you haven't talked to Jeb in a couple months, ask him how he's doing. Uh, and, and so there are tools like that that you can use to actually nurture these relationships. And sure enough, you're going to look up a year after starting your podcast and you're going to think, oh my gosh, I've got, I've got all of these incredible relationships with people that can actually drive the business forward. And I didn't actually care at all about how many downloads the episode got. Um, and, and so that's, that, that would be my, I, I think, biggest encouragement to, to folks listening to this is reframe how you think about podcasting as a relationship creation tool instead of an audience generator. That'll happen. It comes down the road, but think about it as a relationship mechanism. And I think you'll win. So I think uh, if you're, you know, if you're a, uh, a sales representative or an account manager, let's just, let's just take what James said and let's break this down into something that's actionable for you. Imagine that the primary business or your primary vertical is manufacturing. You could do a podcast on, uh, on you know, manufacturing news or manufacturing updates or manufacturing technology or manufacturing anything, and yep. you could reach into your, your accounts. These are people who are buying from you on a regular basis or maybe not on a regular basis, and you could interview production managers. You could interview the marketing managers, and you could really focus on, you know, let's say if it was American manufacturing, American manufacturing, and you could ask them their point of view, your POV, their perspective on that from different places. So- and, and all you're doing is building out relationships inside those accounts and they'll talk to you because that's their space. Yep. If uh, you know, you can talk about entrepreneur, you could, you could talk to marketers or what have you, but if you're, if you're an account manager, you don't, the only audience you need is your accounts. So yes. if the people in your accounts are listening to their people, like if the production manager goes, Hey, I was on this podcast. Y'all listen to this. Yes. I'm a superstar. All of a sudden the entire place is hearing your name, seeing your personal brand and you didn't have to do anything more than grab a mic maybe not this mic, but grab a mic <laughs> and do a quick podcast and you can do it on a Zoom call. You can get good audio from that plus the transcript. So from you, for in that situation, it's not about SEO or SEM or LinkedIn or any of the other things that we were talking about. It's about connecting with your, your audience and creating a relationship with them and doing something that helps, helps people who, in a lot of cases, nobody's listening to yes. have a voice and suddenly they like you more. Yep. This has been a a fascinating conversation. I'm uh I'm you know I'm I'm smiling from ear to ear. If you're listening to this, you can't see me, but I it's just so refreshing to spend time with someone uh like you, James. It just totally gets this at a at a level that most people don't, and uh and it's so often you know authentic about it. I mean, there was no you weren't blowing smoke here. This is this is all for real. And I think we can both agree that this is complex, it's difficult, but if you start with the simple things and you focus on those things first, that's 80% of the journey. The other 20% is the rest of the way. And a lot of cases, you don't even need that if you've got your priorities and your goals right. Tell us a little bit about uh, how people can find you uh, and, uh, and where they can find the book. 
Yeah. So, so they can find the book, uh, content-based networking on Amazon or audible, whether you like to listen to books or read them totally your prerogative. And then, uh, I'm all over LinkedIn. So my last name is Carberry. So James Carberry, C-A-R-B-A-R-Y. You can find me on LinkedIn. If anybody wants to shoot me an email, it's james at sweetfishmedia.com. Uh, happy to jam on this kind of stuff all day, every day. So would love to connect with anybody that wants to reach out. I don't know about you, but I've been podcasting since 2007, and this conversation got me fired up again about podcasting. If you're thinking about ways to get your name out there and build your personal brand, think no further than building a podcast. And the techniques and tactics that James taught you in this episode, they actually work very, very well, and they're easy to deploy. I hope that you will come back for our next episode and... I want you to go right now and pick up a copy of my brand new book, Virtual Selling. I promise you that this book will make you more money this year. Pick up your copy of Virtual Selling at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold.